Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw. Hello, you lovely lot, and welcome to this week's edition of Tuesday Night Hello, Bab. How's it going? Welcome to Tuesday Night Jaw. How are things, man? How was your weekend? Did you get to watch AEW All Out? It's still on my things to watch list. I feel like that list is just getting bigger and longer every week. It's still on my to-do list. I checked out some of the gifts that were circulating on the internet and the one that's really stuck with me was Matt Hardy smashing his noggin off concrete floor. Rough times, man. Rough, rough times. So I'm interested to see that show and just check it all back. See how it went. How did you find it? Did you watch it? Um, let me know. Drop me a WhatsApp message. I'm just going to get my little notepad. So excuse all the bad noise in the background. My number, you can catch me on, I still haven't memorised this thing, is 07882-005-803. If you're international, that's plus 447882-005-803. And if you are international, dude, when I started this podcast, my friend Scroobius Pip, who owns the Distraction Pieces Network that this podcast's on, he said to me, look, Bozzers, make the podcast that you want to make, make it in the way that you want to make it. Don't look at statistics because they might put you off and make you feel a certain way. But I couldn't help it. This week I checked them out and you guys are everywhere. <laughs> I'm so delighted. You should see me beaming right now. It showed a map of where our listeners are from the last few episodes. And dude, you are in Ireland and India and Thailand, America, 
the Netherlands, Australia, Canada, Guernsey, Germany, Singapore, Italy, Spain, and here in the UK and other places as well. Guys, thank you so much for joining me, all you homies around the world. It fills my heart with joy, man, that we've got this wrestling community that transcends, you know, space and here we are all joined together under this same love of the same crazy thing thank you so much for being here if you're a new listener welcome to the crew i'm so glad that you are here and if you're a returning listener big up yourself big up yourself i care about you so much thank you for joining us on tuesday night jaw I've got to calm down a little bit. Talking about wrestling friends around the world, I am speaking to over on Pip's podcast this week. Pip's podcast, the Distraction Pieces podcast. You can check that out. I was his guest on Friday, so you can go back if you want to learn a little bit more about me. Um, But I was telling him about a lovely experience I had over in Los Angeles. I went over there a couple of years ago for the Battle of Los Angeles, PWG. And I was at the bar, I don't mention this in that podcast, but I'll mention it here. I was at the bar and an American guy came over to me and said, excuse me, are you bozzers? And I was. And what a cool thing that I could go that far around the world and find someone who recognised me because we speak to each other about wrestling on Twitter. I was made up to make that new wrestling friend and we've stayed in touch Hi Josh, if you happen to be listening to this, I appreciate you so much. And I don't know, there's just something lovely and special about that. And there's something special about reconnecting with people that you've met through wrestling in the past before. And so on today's episode, I've done just that. I have given Matt Raywald a call. That's the Drama King Matt, formerly known on WWE as Aiden English, I've reached out to him. I've met him once. It was a wonderful experience. Super friendly guy who had loads of amazing stories. Matt was part of Florida Championship Wrestling in the days before NXT became the developmental territory for WWE. So I had to reach out to him. When the coronavirus hit, Matt stopped working there i don't know the ins and outs i didn't ask him his personal details on what the situation was with him leaving there but what i do know is he is now a free agent out there in the world after a decade of being a wwe superstar under a couple of different guises in regards to tag team wrestler singles wrestler on smackdown on nxt at fcw as i mentioned there being commentary for 205 live he's got so many amazing stories so i reached out to matt asked him to join me on today's podcast and he's my first guest so i'm really glad to be bringing you that that will come up shortly in the meantime grab your pen and paper because Big Pop Master, the wrestling quiz about big wrestling crowd reactions is coming up afterwards. But for now, sit back, enjoy my chat with Matt. I hope you like it. The sound quality isn't going to be quite as high as I would like. My recording device died no sooner he picked up the phone. So I used the the Zoom recording capabilities, but it might be a little bit less crisp than I would like it, but stick with it. Half an hour or so. It's a really lovely chat. I hope you like it. Stick around, grab your pens, and we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, how are things? How's life as a free agent? Uh, I mean, it's boring. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, like right now. I mean, yeah, with the with the world, everything obviously, but um, but it is uh, it's it's a time of freaking. You know, it's. I feel like how regular people must have felt like after university, kind of thing, yeah. like. I went kind of like my whole life was building into like wrestling and WWE and stuff like that. And I was just like a kid gets going, 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 did college, do this, just go to, go to wrestling. Go. And now I like, I've had that experience and it kind of set me, set me up for a lot of things in life, which is good. And so now I'm out here kind of floating in space as an adult and everything. And it's intimidating, but it's also like that now is the first time in my life where I feel that like you can do anything you want thing. Yeah. But I'm mature and capable enough to maybe actually do it. Still not there yet, me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It, take, it, takes, it takes getting beaten down a couple of times. Don't worry. Yeah. So is that how you feel? Did it fit, you know, the leaving WWE during a pandemic, Did was your initial thought just like, oh my God, this is awful? Or did you go out with that positive mental attitude of let's go on to the next thing? I mean, it's... I would be lying if I said it wasn't at least a little bit of both, you know. Um, I think I, I've told a lot of people this. It's like if it would have happened during like any other time, I think it would it would have sucked. But I would have been it would have been much easier to go. All right, well, let's hit the ground and let's go make run it. We'll do some independence. We'll get in touch with this. You know, events are all happening all over the place. Signing all these all things are going. But it was getting you know thrust out into a world where nothing was happening. Yeah. So I couldn't even hit the ground running. I had to hit the ground and stand still. So that's that was what made, made me nervous and what made me kind of just uneasy. Um, I I had a positive attitude. I knew things, and I still do know things will be okay, no matter what, you know, um, with, with the people in my life and with, you know, the attitude I'm trying to bring to it. I know things will be okay. But, yeah, I would be totally remiss if I didn't say being – dropped out at that time you know is really hard as it is for anybody going through any kind of change like that with this I mean I'm self-employed I'm a freelance writer and then when lockdown happened everything just went quiet and it was I think it was you know I sent an invoice to someone in March for some work and then I, I picked up work again last week so it was that whole time where I felt like oh my god I'd have I gone back to just being nothing again Right. It was an odd moment, but it was also, you know, you get peace of mind knowing that you're not the only one in that boat, right? So, you know, it's not just you, it's the world. And that's what kept me holding it together. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, it did. And that's, you know, especially when the when I got let go from WWE at the beginning, that's kind of because the message I was getting from everybody I knew, and it wasn't just, and I've said this before, it wasn't just the talent you saw on TV that got released. I mean, there were, there were people being furloughed and let go from the office, from backstage, from production. Mm-hmm. So like, it was one of those things that just, it, it was kind of wiped across the whole company. And that that's on top of what was just happening to pe- places all over the world in general. Yeah. And you know, it's not just because you suck at your job. And so that's the end of that. It's, you know that that's not what it is, and at least you've got that inside. Because the last time we heard you over in the UK, we heard you alongside Nigel McGuinness on NXT UK, which was brilliant. He did an amazing job there. How was that experience for you? I mean, that so 
it's kind of funny. I only, it really only did it like, I think I came over for a, a little trip with Vic Joseph uh, for the Download Festival the, uh, last year. Um, and then I, like, I came very, for a very small spot during one of the takeovers. And then I did another series of tapings. So it was really only over the course of a year, it was literally like seven days, right? <laughs> but it doesn't honestly, feel like that like, in TV. No, it, no, <laughs> God, it never does. Um, but even just that technically short stint, that was honestly, I will remember that as one of my the most special things I got to do to see the NXT UK roster from that side of things and just seeing the locker room and just, and all the guys putting the show together and everything. It's, it was its own unique thing. And I just to see, see the talent of the guys and girls and everything like that. I felt some, I felt it sounds so corny and I don't know like the more specific word to do it, but it felt special. It reminded me of those early NXT days like when it was just getting fired up doing, you know, those first takeovers and first Brooklyn, those big buildings, that just kind of energy of like, we're here to take over the world uh, was something that I felt in that, in that environment. It was just, it was cool to see it forming in its own little way. Mm. How does the locker room actually differ? Do you think, you know, being backstage in the UK and being in the locker rooms and backstage over in America, because you've worked your way up from Florida Championship Wrestling up to the rise of NXT, main roster, you hit it all. So how does that differ, you know, between the UK and the US? I think a little bit because, you know, one of the things, and I've thought about it before, and one of the things I think that does it is, so over in America and, you know, hiring for NXT and everything like that, even within the States is such a big country, you're grabbing people from whether it's, you know, we got former football players and athletes or a lot of independent talent, but from New York or Los Angeles or Canada or something like that, people you may have never, ever seen before. Whereas NXT UK, we pretty much brought a chunk of the UK scene who was all very intimate already between, you know, ICW and like all, all those promotions and everything. So I feel like everybody was kind of already a family mm. and, um, especially god especially the progress people and everything like that was already and then there's just like we're just moving to another house almost so like there was this even though the brand was young there was like an intimacy and a familiarity that everybody had that is hard to that takes a while usually to build up somewhere new mm. what about the journey for you into commentary at what point did it become that that was where they wanted you to go was it a choice that you made or was it something that they wanted from you for you to diversify in that way? What happened there? Yeah, so it was kind of both, really. Um, I, it was right after uh, the, everything with like Rusev Day had ended. And um, I, remember it was, I didn't know what to do. I was trying to throw ideas out there. It was one of those times and you talk to anybody in wrestling it's it's cyclic, you know. It's up and down. Sometimes you you know you got something riding high for a few months, and then you're at the bottom of the card. So I was in one of those kind of down periods, and I was like, ah, I don't, there wasn't anything for me, and I was trying to get stuff going. And it was just at that time that Tom Phillips had approached me and was just like, Hey, I think you'd be really good at this. Do you want to give it a try? I just I think you know it's something you could tip your hat to or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Again, I I, I don't have much going on right now, and I want. I like to be useful. Like I'm not someone 
who can sit back and if things aren't happening, I'm, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll wait till they do. Like, I just can't, I got to do something. I got to contribute somehow. So um, he asked me to come into the booth down in the PC in Orlando and did that. And I thought that would be it. And then the next week, Michael Cole told me, hey, you're going to be on 205 Live uh, every week from now on. Um, yeah. So if you, you know, you can wrestle too if you want, but here's the deal. And then let, we'll talk after a couple months and we'll see how you like it. And I, I ended up falling in love with it. That's good to know because I wondered whether you missed doing the in-ring stuff once you had to suit up every week rather than going out there and putting it all on the line physically. But I guess as a wrestler, it's a bit of a blessing not to have to go out and throw yourself about the ring and to have like a, you know, it's quite relaxing, right? It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Uh, I hunt, I mean, I, I, I can't lie. Of course I did miss it. Cause I didn't feel, you know, it wasn't one of those cases where I'm like, Oh, well my, I feel like I'm done anyway. No, I, I still think I got a lot more to give, but it was also one of those things. I'm a, uh, a say yes kind of person and I'm going to go with what's in front of me. And at that time, that was the best opportunity in front of me. You know mm. what I mean? Um, and, and it was just, I was getting better. I had a wonderful introduction to it, working with Vic and Nigel. Yeah. So um, that I think really endeared me to like, I've try, I'm trying to think of any other team. I would have maybe made me go like, all right, that was fine. But you know, I'm going to go back to the wrestling thing. But I had such a blast learning with those guys and working with them that I was just like, I, I would love to do this every week. And uh, I was, I got to be a part of television every week, which sometimes as a wrestler, you know, you're not on, right? Yeah. Sometimes you don't work. But on when you're on that announced team, it's every single week. You gotta have your you gotta be on your game and that's the kind of thing that I really engage with. So I appreciated that opportunity. Yeah, it must keep your brain switched on so you don't get lax, right? And it's diversifying your C V. I mean, how bad can that be, right? Absolutely. And that that was one of the things Michael Cole told me at the beginning and he was like look, this just broadens your, you know, your abilities and not only here in wrestling, but he's like, if something, this is something you like to do. I mean, now you technically, you're getting professional broadcasting experience. Yeah. You could throw that down and, you know, on a regular resume and, you know, news, sports, whatever it is. So he goes, I think it's just a great opportunity. And he was right. Yeah. Because your in-ring career with the WWE, I believe it began, is, was it 2012 that you started doing stuff for Florida Championship Wrestling? Yes. That's right at February of 2012 is when I reported to Florida. So what was your indie career up until that point? You're from Chicago, is that right? Yes. How long were you wrestling before you got that, you know, the big opportunity, as it were? I mean, I at that point there was no indie career. It was it, I had worked a sp- a sparse five or six matches on the indies. Um, I'm I'm a wonderful and I do never forget this case of right person, right place, right time kind of thing. Um, I went I had, I paid to take a training course at FCW the year prior. Okay. Uh, Steve, Steve Kern used to run a night class out of FCW. Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, or whatever. Just like any wrestling school, you, you pay your money, you come down. Rent lived in a stranger's home, uh, rented a room from a stranger, uh, and rode my bike to bought a bike at like Target down there and rode it to training uh, every other day. And uh, but Norman was our trainer, Norman Smiley, and I just had I ended up with a great relationship with him. 
we really liked working together. He's such such a brilliant guy. Uh, what a great teacher, great person. And uh, yeah, at the end of it, he was just like, keep in touch. He goes, you're great. He goes, keep working. And so I came back into Chicago and I did. I worked a couple of indies, five, six, seven matches, something like that. But it was several, just a few months later, Norman called me and said, hey, Talent Relations was asking about people I've trained. Uh, he's like, they, he's like it's, they randomly happen to ask. Normally they don't. He's like, but he goes, I just, I put your name. I said, you, you know, you're young. You got a lot of potential and I can't promise you anything, but uh, just let me know that that happened. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. And then sure enough, a couple of weeks after that, Talent Relations got in touch. We kind of went back and forth. And then I got a phone call from John Laurinaitis uh, probably in November of that year of 2011 saying they were going to just, they were going to offer me a job. Wow. Was that like dream level aspirations ticked off oh, at that point? I mean, so at the, I was a personal trainer. Like I was up at like four in the morning and I was like done by like 11 AM. Right. And then I would sleep because I was training people like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Um, for the first half of the day. And so like I came home at like 11 and I'm like dead tired. I'm ready to take like my afternoon nap and I get the call and I, I don't even know who it was. And it's like, hello. And then I hear the void, the raspy voice <laughs> that everybody knows to Johnny Ace. Uh, and I'm just like, well, and he barely even, I love it. Cause he barely even like said hi. And he's like, Hey, I'm Johnny Ace this is what we're going to do. We're going to offer you this contract. It's going to be this long. We're going to blah, 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 blah. Talk to my secretary. Click. I was like, <laughs> And then I ran and did like, I was living with my parents at the time. I went and did like two laps around the house yelling. Um, and then, yeah, I just talked to him and then reported down to Florida a few months later. What was that time like? Because at that point, the way that NXT is, as I remember it, when, when I first plugged into NXT and that first came onto my radar, you were in it doing vaudeville and stuff. That's when it first came to me. So at that point, going to um, Florida Championship Wrestling, did it feel like main roster was a long way off? You know, did it feel like a really big jump? Yeah, so that, right when I first got there, when it, again, it was still FCW, wasn't even NXT yet. The, um, that's what everyone talked about too. They're like, it felt like an island unto itself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you knew you were technically under a WWE contract. You knew you were developmental and, that people did go up. Uh, like I think Cesaro had just gone up right before I got there. So like it does happen, mm. but it did. It felt miles away because it. I mean, we were in this little warehouse, uh, two two rooms basically, sweating it out every day. Um, and the and the yeah the show no no real we did t TV, but it was local access to Florida, you know, in front and we filmed it in front of fifteen people. Um, so it felt very, very different mm. um, at the time. It was not when the performance center and everything started getting built. It was like worlds apart after the, after all that NXT stuff started. It it would have been well. It must have been cool to be a part of it as you saw those things come into fruition with things like the performance center and NXT. Did that feel significant at the time? Yeah, you could tell. I mean, we didn't know what. But we knew, I mean, I will give all the credit in the world to Triple H for that. Like, he had a vision for what he wanted to see this become. Um, and I think it's it's honestly surpassed even what he had set out to do. And But, like, to see it all, like, it started with 
hey, we're going to change the name to NXT, which which the funny thing was when that first happened, when they were like, FCW is not going to be FCW, it's going to be NXT. The only thing associated with NXT was that like game show that they had done with like the pros and the rookies kind of thing. And aside from Nexus, like it was kind of a goofy program. Mm. Like I think most, most fans and people would kind of, it's, it's kind of silly. The obstacle courses, the singing contest, stuff like that. So when they first told us it was going to be NXT, we're like, are we going to be doing like dance off and stuff like, <laughs> is that, like are we doing more of that? But then they <laughs> played it out and, uh, kind of showed up the redesign of just all, all the iconography and then the performance center started getting talked about and then full sale started happening and was like, Oh, okay. They're, they mean business. Like yeah. we're doing our own thing here. And we're, uh, it was just cool to see like even full sale, you would see every like three or four months, there was a new piece of equipment. Oh, look at those lights above the ring that they're spinning around. Oh, there's another led board at the entrance way. Oh shoot. The ramp is now this. It's like, you could tell it was like this thing rolling downhill and it was picking up steam. Cool. It must be so cool to be part of that because it's been part of history. The way that that brand has gone from strength to strength to be part of that from the outset must have been so exciting. Yeah, it, it was cool. Like to culminate from like for me personally, my NXT journey uh, culminated with that and it, that first Brooklyn show, uh, SummerSlam weekend. It was that was something we never really fathomed. We had started going on the road and we had done these shows for, you know, a thousand people, you know, in Columbus, Ohio, or, you know, California or whatever. But the idea of filling out that full TV arena, the same ones that Raw and SmackDown do and the pay-per-views do. And we sold it out. Like it was going to be full. There was no black tarps along the seats for that show. I remember, I still vividly remember walking out into the uh, Barclays Center for the first time uh, that night we were going to perform and just having one of those moments of just like looking around, <laughs> just staring up and like, like I couldn't see the last seat because that, that's a very tall building. It's kind it of is. narrow. But yeah, it's I was tall. there. Yeah. Um, and just, just kind of whew, catching my own breath about it. it. That was a very, very special time. At what point were you matched with Gotch? Was that a choice that you guys made or was it something that was set up for you to go into that Vaude Villains journey? So that was kind of like, that was something that was essentially brought to us, but then we were kind of told, figure something out. Mm. Um, all Because we got told, me and Simon one day got told at the Performance Center that uh, that Triple H or somebody had seen Kind of, he because he was still doing the like rosebuds and things like that at the time, just kind of like extra work like that. Um, and so like Hunter had like seen him because he'd always would come. He'd have his mustache up. He'd be in the suit and tie kind of. He would have the look down whenever he came to TVs. And I had just wrapped up like something, some kind of storyline on NXT TV, and they were looking for something for me. And I think they were trying to build the tag division. And so Hunter, I think, kind of looked at him and it was like, well. This is the story I was told anyway. Look at him and English needs something to do. They're both these kind of like little out there over the top characters, both like entertain. I don't know. There's something different about them. Yeah. Maybe there's something there. And so they ran to us the next day and we're like, we want to show the boss something, come up with something like that. And so we kind of chatted and I went home and we kept talking about like black and white stuff, vaudeville, old school, strongman stuff like that. And so, I just said vaude villains to myself a couple of times, and I'm like, well, that's cheesy enough to work, right? 
Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no way they'll like, they'll go with that. That's such a cheesy name. Um, and sure enough, they're like, we love it. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, and off we went. And yeah, you really took it there as well because that's that's what I remember about NXT. When I think about what my favorite time so far in NXT has been, it was that run when you guys took those titles. It was. It was such a cool. It was such a cool time for NXT. I thought, was it as cool to live? You know, did you did you think when you started the vaudeville and think we could really take this somewhere, or was it something you had to grow into? I think so. We knew it was one of those things. We knew it could be something unique. We knew it could be something interesting, and so like we just kind of went as far with it as it could, and as they would let us, and. Uh, I don't think what we never really expected because I didn't, I, again, I had always been like a heel and I was big bad guy. I never fully expected us to go like baby face. Mm-hmm. I never fully expected the audience. I thought they were weird and entertained, but we're the bad guys. I've always been a bad guy, but they really started getting behind all of the stuff and the full sale audience, especially at that time was so into different yeah. like characters and personas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, they love, you know, Kevin Owens wearing black and just beating people up, but they liked Tyler Breeze and CJ Parker and and uh, the Lucha Dragons, the Ascension, mod yeah. villains, and all that. It's kind of off-the-wall stuff. So they really embraced that, which is, honestly, that's what made us, is that mm-hmm. is that that NXT audience really embracing those kind of characters. Yeah, and I guess the fact that it is still developmental, even though it's took on a life of its own, the fact that it is still developmental means that you can be a little bit more wacky and out there than you might be able to on the main roster. And that's what brings me really to that transition for you. I think it was 2016 we saw you go up to the main roster. You went up to SmackDown, that's right, isn't it? Yes. How much different did life become then? I mean, like, I'm kind of flipped upside down now. I mean, I was living in Florida at the time, obviously, for NXT. And then now, all of a sudden, it's... And we had done road trips, but now it was literally every single week. You know, mm-hmm. uh, SmackDown was on Tuesday. So you'd leave on either Monday night to go to TV or you're on a live event loop. So you're leaving Friday morning or whatever. Uh, every single week now on planes, every, you know... That becomes the travel just becomes way way more part of your life. Mm-hmm. So that part was, and then you're working with a bunch of people you've never worked with before, guys who have been on this the main roster or whatever for a decade or more. A lot of these guys who who weren't a part. You're not working with guys who you were in NXT with because the, NXT is a brand new thing. So yeah. a lot of these guys who've been around for so long, and uh, it just everything felt bigger. Mm. There, there's no denying that even as as badass and as awesome as NXT was it did it that just felt more broad it felt bigger it felt more just kind of uh a little heavier on on me personally because it was like all right it now is the time to really kind of put up mm. did did gotch leave i think it was only a year or so you were up there before gotch left did you feel sort of out on your own at that point because you're in this person that you'd come up with all of a sudden you've split off did you see that as being this amazing new opportunity and I've got a feeling you're going to say that because you strike me as that kind of guy or were you sort of oh my god what am what is this now what am I in this brand now sure no I think so for me it, it, I, it was definitely it was the opportunity because I I don't want to sound 
negative about it, and I'm not saying anything. But at the at the end of that Vaudevillains run, right, that was WrestleMania, I think, 34 in Orlando there. Like, I think both of us were feeling like we weren't sure where it was going. Mm. You know, we had tried to get some ideas going, and they didn't really come to fruition. And I just think neither one of us were really enthusiastic about the team anymore. So I think if, if that even hadn't happened, I think we both would have been looking for ways to split up or branch off or kind of do different things anyway. Because I know yeah. he wanted to, he wanted to wrestle more. He didn't want to just do the, the the manly character anymore. He wanted to show more what he could do. I wanted to show a little bit more of what I could do too. So um, if just run like its said, natural course. Yep. If it hadn't happened, we would have been looking for an opportunity anyway. So when it did, I was just like, okay, well here it is. Let's go. Time and, to make and- it work. And you really did because this sort of became what I think most people remember you for on the main roster, which was all the crazy shit that you did with Rusev. <laughs> right? That that whole arc. How did that? How did that come about? How did you end up going from these board villains tag team to being able to, you know, sing and do your thing with Rusev? What was all that about? I mean, that's an awesome question. I wish I, I wish I had more concrete. And all I know is like the little that I know. And I mean, the, honestly, most of it is just is just magic of timing and stuff like that. Mm. But so after after Simon had left, I essentially kind of went back to a version of my first NXT character before the Vaude Villains, which is just the Drama King coming out singing musical numbers, kind of thing like that. The artiste is kind of what I was going for. And so, like, it was working great, especially, like, I loved going, like, the tour, like, the live event European tours, going over to the UK, going over to Europe. They loved slash hated. I would just come (laughs) out and just sing these obnoxious songs. I would sometimes have the most heat of the night because my entrance would be six minutes of me just, like, (laughs) holding notes. People freaking hated it. This guy. Um, But they they loved to hate it, which is the point. And uh, so I was just kind of doing that throughout the summer, and it was going well. But then they had put me in a few random matches with Randy Orton. And he had happened to be in a story with Rusev. And so we kind of crossed paths uh, because we were just in a segment where Randy had just beaten me. And now Rusev was coming out to fight him. And I distract Randy. Rusev wins. So like, but we had no ties. I just happened to be out there. They're like, we're just going to use you for a distraction really quick. And I think that was supposed to be it. All right, you're back. And. And then the next week they were like, well, since you have this character, Rusev's going to do this celebration. Um, so we're going to have you be a part of it. And all, which was the big key to this city and Rusev Day celebration, which <laughs> I was told to get a tuxedo and learn the Bulgarian national anthem in Bulgarian <laughs> with, about, with about 48 hours notice. So maybe 36. But I had to get fitted for a tux, have it in like – in Arizona waiting for me and learned the Bulgarian national anthem in a matter of two and a half days. So that was fun. <laughs> what a stressful life. What a ridiculous oh stressful God. life. <laughs> I remember like I get the phone call like right before we went to like my cousin, um, her baby just had like a christening. And so like there's this family party and I'm sitting there like trying to listen to my phone, listen to like the national anthem and stuff. I'm like, where the hell do I get a tux on a Sunday night? Nobody's open. Like, <laughs> I'm just here throwing a fit. It was ridiculous. And you got to have some real adventures with that. I know we've met before, haven't we, Matt? And I remember you telling me about being stuck in a casket 
with Rusev. Uh, is that right? I need to know that story again. Tell me that story again. So, I, I, as a, as a professional wrestler, and as as even as a kid, I, you know, I'm a, a little bit of a daredevil. I used to like run and jump off stuff or throw myself into walls. I, I was an idiot of a kid, right? So pretty fearless. I have no problem with heights, all this stuff. My one Achilles heel is I'm terribly claustrophobic. And um, so I've got terrible memories of like my brothers closing me in like a box or holding pill- you know pillows and blankets over my head. Terrible, terrible memories. And, they were, they, and those were totally benign. You know what I mean? But I, I'm still terrified by it. So I knew the casket match was happening. But honestly, until we got to Saudi Arabia, I didn't – I was like, all right, well, Rusev Undertaker, he, Undertaker's probably going to win. Rusev goes in the casket. I'll follow the casket out, right? And then, like, I get there and like, no, we're putting you both in the casket. We got, a, <laughs> we got an extra wide one for the two of you. And I go, okay. <laughs> so, like – but at the same time, you're just a wrestler. You, you don't, nobody wants to admit any kind of like a fear like that. That seems so trivial in the face of, you know, 70,000 people and all the production and everything. I'm like, I'm not going to cause a fit over my claustrophobia. Um, so, like, we did like the test earlier in the day, like, hey, can you guys fit? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, let's close it to make sure. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, they're just going to open it back up. It's fine. I can, like, I can handle this for like 30 seconds. And it, so it was fine. And so I, I did tell Rusev, I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, this is going to be bad for me. So we go through it all. The match was fun. They got to get chokeslammed and tombstone by The Undertaker. Bucket list stuff for a young wrestler. Yeah. Uh, roll, rolled into the casket. And so we agreed to, roll, uh, to go head to foot so nobody was uh, too, too bumped into each other. And they, he closes it. And like <laughs> – I love Miro. I love him so much. He immediately is like, he's like grabbing my foot. He's like, he's like okay, buddy. Just a couple <laughs> minutes. Just a couple minutes. And I'm like, and then, uh, so like they have the, the crew come down to like move, the, you know, the music's playing to move the casket up the ramp. And I can feel them grab it and they go, Coo-coo. and it's not and they're Coo-coo. and they're pulling it and it's not pulling away from the ring. It's stuck. And I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Pull it, pull it, pull it. And so like they pull it like two or three more times and finally boom, and it kind of it gets unlashed and loose. And uh, I'm a, but I'm at this point I'm like I can't take it. So like you, you can't see it on TV, but like I stick my fingers into like the the door of the casket and like prop it open like an inch. I'm like and just breathing the air and I'm like okay, I can see the audience a little bit. I can breathe oxygen. I'll be okay. And like they rolled it up the ramp and. Open it up, and I hop out, and of course I'm like, "Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> Let's do it again." You know, like you guys want to get another shot of it? That's fine. But uh, oh yeah, awful, absolutely awful. It's like both the best and the worst day of your career. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. High, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. <laughs> so, how are things for you now? Because I see that you're just drinking whiskey and working out and living your best life. It doesn't seem like an awful way to spend your time. I mean, look, if you're going to have the time, like I said, I mean, you hit the ground, there wasn't anything going on. I, I dive into the things I can do and the things I love. Uh, so I jumped into my wrestling with whiskey is like my little side passion project. And it's, again, I'm just, yeah, a collector, a enthusiast, huge 
crazy call me a mark all right for all the fans i'm a mark <laughs> for whiskey right um i just yeah i nerd out about it man and um so i just kind of dove into making content for that uh i joined the whole seemingly wrestling world jumped on the twitch train and just doing stuff like that again because i can't see keep still i gotta do stuff so um it was just looking for opportunities that just and i've, I've actually really come to love the whole idea of like the live stream at, you know, as entertainment and everything like that. I, I work, I tried to do like making videos and recording them and doing these cool effects and editing them. I'm like, I have no patience for that. <laughs> so I just jumped between Twitch and now I even do a live show every Wednesday for my whiskey channel. Um, using just a lot of that technology and it's a blast and it's yeah. a way, it's just a way for me to spend my time, build a, build up a brand. Um, outside of wrestling and then also just in that time i started laying groundwork for when i would come back to wrestle which will be in a few weeks okay so that's what i was going to ask next because i know that your amazing wife shaw guerrero is doing big things in her, in her own right now on aew smashing it doing some she just did some announcing she did the women's tag team cup tournament didn't she which was amazing it must have been a proud husband moment and it must have also been nice to actually sit there and be able to watch it without thinking i have to now go and get on a plane in 20 minutes or whatever um it, it must be you guys must keep each other you know on your on your toes keep you know, keep each other going with things like that. I wondered whether you would take it to the announcing place, or the commentary booth a little bit more, or whether you wanted to get back into, you know, your pants and get oiled up and grapple around <laughs> with, with dudes again. I wondered where you wanted to go. So it's, it's interesting to hear that you're going to get back in the ring. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, no, I mean, and I've made this perfectly clear too, is like, I'm open. I, that's one of the reasons I did. I'm open to anything because I love, being a part of the business and I don't want to contribute to it in any way I can. Um, I'm not saying again, I'm a say yes kind of person. And I really did. I love the commentary. So if there are an opportunity somewhere there, hell yeah, let me go in and do that. But like I told you, I do miss the wrestling a little bit. So when the opportunity presented itself to work with a company here in Chicago, I jumped at that as well. And so September 17th, about a year and a half since my last match, uh, the Drama King gets back in between the ropes. Wow, I'm excited for you. You're feeling good about it. Oh, I, I just whoever my opponent is, uh, which actually no, I can't say it's Brute. This guy named Nick Brubaker. He's a Chicago stalwart, kind of a veteran around here. Cool. Um, we better start slow and taper off because uh, I don't know how fast I'll be able to go. <laughs> no matter how much working out you do in the gym, there's something about getting in there and hitting those ropes and picking up other human beings and throwing them around that just gets, gets you sucking wind. So it's uh it's going to be a gut check for sure. Is there going to be people around to watch you or are you going to have to do it with like a no crowd situation? So here we are allowed uh, to have limited crowd. So we have, okay. our venue has a limit of 50 people. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get though all those, you know, all 50 in there, masks, distance, all that kind of thing. Good. Um, yeah, so there at least it's, it's something. Even if it's not the crowd we want or expect, just to have that energy from other like other people yeah. is a really nice thing to have. Because I was going to say, going back to a world where, considering how long it's been since you did any indie shows, going back to an indie world where there's no one and you're wrestling in silence would have been, you know, pretty mind blowing. Really, what an odd experience that would have been. So it's you must be glad that there's going to be people at least. 
Yeah, and I mean, the funny thing is, though, like, you say that, but, like, this this whole pandemic thing has kind of shown everyone that kind of environment. When you saw the empty performance center and everybody wrestling, oh, God, I remember I was there when that started. I remember watching the guys, um, the 205 guys, we actually, they, they filmed first. They were the first ones to have a match in the empty arena. And I remember watching, I was like, oh. It sucked, God, to, to have to like take bumps and beat the Must crap hurt out of each more other. Than like, ever? No, yeah, no reaction from anything. <laughs> it's like, oh. So the whole world kind of got a glimpse of like what, you know, some of these smaller independents and some of these people go through with these either small, very small crowds and stuff like that. So I'll take 30 to 50 over zero. So yeah. <laughs> happy to do that. I'm rooting for you, man. I'm really glad that you're going to get back on it. I can't wait to see what's going to happen because I. I know that this isn't, you know, this is the start of something new and special for you. I can just feel it. I know it's going to happen. I think that attitude of, you know, just get it, just go and get it done. That's what you've done up to now and it's worked every time. So I'm rooting for you, man. I'm really excited for you to get back in the ring. I appreciate it. No, that means a lot to me and I'm very excited too. Good. That's all. I'm not going to keep any longer because I've been chat boxing to you for 20 minutes and I've got to get a wrestling quiz in as well on this podcast. So there you go. I know I'll have to get you on a little bit later down the line i'll do a wrestling quiz see if you test your knowledge no pressure oh yeah oh god that'll be bad (laughs) take care matt thanks for your time absolutely Kirsty. good to see you again you too take care bye ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It was lovely to have Matt on the podcast talking about all things wrestling. He's had such an interesting career so far and I can't wait to hear what happens with him. I can't wait to find out what his future holds because I'm sure that with that kind of drive and determination, it can only mean good things. So thanks again for coming on the podcast, Matt, and good luck for the future. Now, listeners, before we get into the uh big pop master quiz of the week i've got a question for you it's not a very important question but it's an inane wrestling question inane wrestling question 
So the inane wrestling question is a question that isn't important, but somehow feels important to me. And it's going to be a question about wrestling that no one has ever asked before, probably. Today's inane wrestling question from me is, which wrestler do you think would make the best landscape gardener? I was thinking that idiot Brutus the Barber Beefcake, because the man already comes with shears. Even his figure came with shears. But Glenn, whose voice you could just hear in that intro, he thinks that there's a lot to say about the topiary skills of the bushwhackers. What do you think? Who would make the best wrestling landscape gardener? Send me a text. 07882 005803. That's plus 447882 005803. Wrestling question. Without further ado, let's move on to Big Popmaster. Now, if you joined me last week, then you will have heard the very first episode of Big Popmaster. It's a wrestling quiz, 10 questions from different promotions all around the world, different points in history, but all of them relating to big moments where the crowd went bananas. Big Pops, as it's known in the industry. Last week, our boy Ollie from Surrey came on and scored 7 out of 10. Hi, Ollie, if you're listening. Let's find out if today's guest can step up and beat your score. Let's get into it. Tuesday night door. So our second contestant on Big Popmaster is Harry from Kingston. Hi, Harry. How's it going? Hi there, Buzzers. Yeah, really well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for coming on. Now, last week, Ollie in Surrey scored 7 out of 10. Did you have a pop at it yourself last week? I did, yeah. How'd you get on? Uh, I th- I think I would have got an 8. Ooh! That, that, that makes me sound a lot more confident than I actually am this week. It's like impromptu fighting talk, that is. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you think you're going to get on today? Uh, terribly, as I as I think I... I got through all of the the big pops I know about last week, if I'm honest. But we'll see. What's your strength? So tell me about wrestling for you. What are your faves to watch and how long have you been watching? Um, I, as with, probably with a lot of listeners here, uh, got into it sort of as, as a kid in the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Um, fell out of, of love a little bit with it in my teens, I guess, at the time. I probably thought it was it was kind of uncool uh, and, and got back into it after some uni mates uh, took me to an indie show. Um, so I've kind of tried to relive a lot of the stuff that I've missed. And uh, these days... Uh, try to keep up with with the big American promotions and a bit of the Japanese stuff mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I, it's I, a lot, I, isn't it? It's a lot to watch. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a hell of a lot to it, especially like during the lockdown with no audience, no sort of crowds, no audiences and stuff. It's been like uh, a real effort to try and try and take in everything. Mm, well, let's see how you do. I'm going to get started with question one. Are you ready? Yeah, when ready. No cheating, no conferring. <laughs> In an episode of WCW Nitro, November the 23rd, 1998, Goldberg amazed the crowd with a really impressive delayed vertical suplex. Who did he get that victory over, notable because of the size of his opponent? Uh, was it the Giant? Yeah, it was the Giant, correct. Oh, Good start, one-on-one, one out of one. 
Um, on the January the 4th, 1999 episode of Raw, Mankind won the WWE Championship for the first ever time. Which wrestler draped Mankind's lifeless body over his opponent in order for Mankind to pick up that win? Oh, Jesus. Uh, oh, God. Was, was, was it Austin that dragged him? Yeah. Good oh, work. Well, that's a um, <laughs> Man, what a pop that was as well. Oh, <laughs> Stone Cold was getting all the pops back then. I just can't remember it. Like, these days, nothing gets as big, like, as big a crowd reaction as I feel like Austin got at that time. I really don't think so. We, I, I, I like to think that one day there'll be someone that that gets that scale of reaction again. Mm, you got to really believe it, and he was just so believable, wasn't he? So believable. Oh yeah. Right, more modern then. Question number three: At AEW All In 2018, Chris Jericho masqueraded as which other wrestler to attack Kenny Omega? Uh, Pentagon Junior. Correct. Pentagon Junior is correct. Three out of three. He changed his name this week. I understand they had to change his name. He's not allowed to say Pentagon Junior anymore. Yeah, that's such a pity. Yeah, but I think they're still selling merch, but whatever. (laughs) Question four. In 2013, the self-proclaimed Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling was formed at Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, PWG. There were four prominent wrestlers originally in that stable. Can you name all four to get the point? Uh, what year was this in PWG, sorry? 2013. 2013. Oh, I've got no idea. Want to take a pop at it? Oh, jeez. Um, I, I, I passed. I wouldn't even know where to begin. No worries. It was Kevin Steen, now known as Kevin Owens. Adam Cole, baby, and Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks. Oh, fair play. No worries, no worries. Okay, we'll take it back to some WWE. In 2008 Royal Rumble event, 2008, which superstar entered at number 30? Now, this is one where fans were like, it's going to be the big show, but this competitor, who everyone believed injured, surprised the Madison Square Garden crowd. Who was it? This was seen as big as the return at MSG, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, good work. Love Four it. out of five, good work. Question number six. In 1999, the Millennium Countdown clock ticked away, counting down to what became Chris Jericho's WWE debut. But who was in the ring cutting a promo when the countdown hit zero? Uh, the guy who I hope recovers from coronavirus soon, is it The Rock? Correct, The Rock, five out of six, good work, you're good at this. I'm starting to think maybe I should have made my questions a little bit harder, but I think it's just your knowledge, I don't think I could have made them any harder. <laughs> Question number seven. In 2002, William Regal held the WWE European Championship. Which wrestler beat him for the title in just three seconds thanks to a set of brass knuckles. Just so you know, it was Raw, April the 8th, and it was one of the shortest matches in WWE history. Who beat Regal with the brass knucks? This was 2003, you say? Mm, 2002. 2002. Oh, God. I, I don't... I, I'm going to guess, and I think it's wrong, but was it Chris Jericho? No, it was Spike Dudley. Oh. Hard one. That was a hard one. Hard Question one. number eight. At Wrestle Kingdom 13, 
Okada delighted the crowd, not just because of his wrestling performance, but because of his in-ring attire. Can you recall what was special about it? Wrestle Kingdom 13. Was this him returning to his kind of original Rainmaker get-up? It was. Do you know what that get-up was specifically? Uh, I, I can't off the top of my head now. Pass. It was the shorts... He was wearing the long boys and people were upset about oh, his yeah, long pants. So it was the shorts. Oh, but I am going to give you half a point there because it was the original Rainmaker gear. So I'm going to give you half on that one. I think that's fair. Question number nine. At SummerSlam 1992, the best, the best match ever took place at Wembley. Brett versus Bulldog. But who accompanied the British Bulldog to the ring? Oh, God, this was before I was born. Uh, I And I haven't watched Summer Fun 92 in ages. Oh, get it watched. It's the best. Uh, I, I don't know. I really don't. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Is this a, a person or something else? It's a person. It's a person. It, it's it's going to be something ridiculous. Like, it's not Vinnie Jones, but it's something like that, isn't it? Lennox Lewis. Uh, Vinnie Jones is a good shout, you know. I think I, I would have been happy about that as well. I <laughs> think know, I, I remember Vinnie fucking Jones, mate. Of that era. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Lennox Lewis, that one was Lennox Lewis. Yeah. And finally, question number 10. What was special about the WrestleMania 35 main event? WrestleMania 35 main event. Mm. Oh, crap. It That's... was particularly notable, it made history. Uh, first women's main event. Yeah! Do you know, uh, this is, you get the point, but who was in it? Uh, triple Threats, uh, Becky, Ronda and Charlotte. Correct, well done. What have we got? One, two, three, four, five, six and a half out of ten. Six and a half. I oh, know, uh, I feel, I feel like bad. the loser of this quiz. <laughs> I feel bad, man, because I feel like I should have given you the full point for a carder, but I just want you to talk about the long trousers. I, I, I had to. <laughs> no you were right, but yeah, six and a half out of ten. Great, great effort considering we jumped all the way around and things before you were born and stuff. <laughs> really, really good effort. Yeah, good. Are you pleased with your performance? Yeah, I, I don't think I've done too badly there. No, I don't think you did either. They were quite, quite tricksy questions, so I thought you did really well. Yeah, not too bad. Smashing. Is there anyone you want to say hi to that might also be listening to the podcast before you go? No worries if not. I don't feel bad about the fact that I've just got like four of you that listen to me every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I, I saw your tweet earlier today, um, hello to TNG, TNJ listeners across the world. Yeah, uh, seeing crazy. that map you posted of, of people in so many countries is amazing. So congratulations on that. And hello to people that are listening to this in crazy time zones. Yeah, wicked. Thank you so much for joining me. It's lovely to speak to you, Harry, and stay tuned because you still might no make the top, Thanks, the top list. No worries. Have a good week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Tuesday night, Joe. Well done, well done to Harry, who scored six and a half out of ten. What do you think, guys? Was I rough on him to not give him the full point for that Okada question? Was it bad that I was holding out hope for him to mention pants specifically trousers specifically i don't know let me know what you think and let me know if you'd like to be my next guest on big pop master i always want to hear from you that number again is 07882 005803 that's 
plus four four seven eight eight two double zero five eight zero three you can always get in touch at any time on twitter i'm at bozzers there b-o-double-z-e-r-s i always want to hear from you let me know what you thought of this week's episode what you thought of big pop master am i being too difficult am i being too easy what do you think even if you don't want to be on it if you've got some ideas of fun big pop master questions send them in i'm always down i'm always down to hearing them um that number again at 07882005803 and that's it i'll leave you alone it's been a pretty long episode this week compared to last week but i hope you enjoyed it despite my audio troubles i'm really hopeful that next week everything's going to go completely smoothly and according to plan but you know how these things are they always say don't work with kids and don't work with animals but working with technology and wrestlers is also pretty difficult uh that's it that's all i've got for you thanks again for joining me really glad to have your company this week hope to hear from you ahead of next week but if you can't i'll speak to you then even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.